Hi everyone, welcome to the Understand the Bible podcast with me, Phil Saker. We're continuing our sermon series on the book of Romans today, looking at a well-known and wonderful passage from Romans chapter 8, verses 18 to 30. And we're thinking about how the gospel gives us real hope in suffering, not just for eternity, but for the here and now as well. And we're going to be looking at that. So you might like to have that passage open in front of you, have a read of it beforehand, just so that it's in your mind as you listen to the sermon. Just to let you know, there is more content available on the YouTube channel. And this week, uh, there was a new, uh, the next part of the course on the Practical Guide to Holiness. We were thinking about true worship and what it means to worship God. And also there's a regular Bible study on a Wednesday afternoon, which is live streamed, as well as the sermon, which is available also on YouTube on a Friday. So do have a look and uh, you can sign up on the Understand the Bible website for a mailing list where you get an email once a week with any new content for that week. So thanks so much everyone for joining me. I hope that you enjoy and appreciate the sermon. God bless and I'll see you again soon. I think one of the most difficult things to cope with in life is suffering, isn't it? Now I think when we suffer that's really hard to to manage, especially when we're dealing with chronic or long-term suffering, sickness of some kind or or something else, a long-term situation. I think it's a little bit easier, you know, if you you injure yourself, if you break your arm, for example, and then you know that, you know, there's, there's a lot of pain to start with, but it will get better over time and you kind of can, can, can map it out, you know, uh, how long roughly it might take. But when it comes to long-term things which we're struggling with, whether that be, you know, perhaps sickness or whether that be circumstances or whatever that might be, when you can't see an end to it, that's when it really hurts, doesn't it? That's, that's when we really struggle. And what gets us through those times is hope. Now, hope is the thing which gets us through. And hope is really what this passage in Romans is about. Hope is what Paul is talking about. And that's what we're going to be thinking about today. So Paul starts out this passage in verse 18 by saying, I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. So Paul says, think about it, you know, what the things that we're suffering at the moment are not worth comparing with what's coming, with the glory that that is coming in the end. And actually, if you you know, you you read on, he, he uses the image of childbirth. And I think childbirth is actually quite a good picture of what he's talking about. You know, if you think about it, you know, that a woman, I, I, I've never given birth myself. My wife has given birth and and I am assured that uh, it is not a pain-free experience. Um, I I know actually, I mean, you know, you can see it, can't you? It's not a, it's a deeply painful experience on one hand. But on the other hand, what you end up with is you end up with a baby and the joy that that uh, that that brings you. And actually, this is what Jesus says in uh, John, John chapter 16 verse 21 and Jesus says a woman giving birth to a child has pain because her time has come but when her baby is born she forgets the anguish because of her joy that a child is born into the world so 
that's that's kind of like what Paul is saying that we should consider things like that our suffering now is like the pains of childbirth but there will be a joy which will make us forget everything all of the pain and the suffering that we've struggled with it, all, it will just put it all into perspective you know this pain and struggle will seem like nothing compared to what is coming so he goes on to talk about creation that was kind of like his summary I suppose but the he goes on to talk about the way that all of creation is suffering and he says in verse 19 for the creation waits in eager expectation for the children of God to be revealed so the whole creation is waiting and that phrase eager expectation you know the creation is waiting kind of like on, on tiptoes looking for it or you know like a like a child who keeps saying are we there yet you know that that eagerness of expectation looking for it to happen and it's waiting as it says in verse uh, 21 for to be, for its liberation from its bondage to decay and brought into the freedom and glory of the children of god so the creation is waiting eagerly uh, waiting and expecting for its liberation so that it will enter into the freedom which the children of God now have which if you like Christians uh, have begun to experience all of creation is waiting and this is something which we haven't really touched on very much in Romans so far but that it is you know that the, the picture from the Bible that sin doesn't just affect us as human beings but it affects all of creation and that has been the case way back from Genesis, uh, Genesis chapter 3, for example. Let me just read you uh, God's curse in Genesis chapter 3, verses 17 and 18. God curses the man, but as part of that, he says, Cursed is the ground because of you. Through painful toil you will eat food from it all the days of your life. It will produce thorns and thistles for you, and you will eat the plants of the field. So God says, cursed is the ground because of you and it will produce thorns and thistles all the days of your life. So there is something which is, you know, broken in all of creation. It's not just, you know, sin is not just about we human beings, but the whole of the natural world, the whole of creation is groaning under the weight of the curse of sin and waiting for that liberation. So the world is waiting for redemption. And Paul goes on to say, you're not just the world, but we ourselves experience this frustration as well. He says in verses 22 to 25, we know that the whole creation has been groaning as in the pains of childbirth, like we said. But not only so, but we ourselves, who have the first fruits of the Spirit grown inwardly, as we wait eagerly for our adoption to sonship, the redemption of our bodies. So Paul is again saying that we are living with a kind of tension inside of us. And, and we've, we've kind of picked up on that a little bit over the last couple of weeks. But there is a very much a, you know, now but not yet aspect to the gospel. You know, there are things that we do experience now, but there are also things which we don't experience yet and we won't experience until the new creation in the future. So Paul says that we have the first fruits of the Spirit and the first fruits, you know, you think about the harvest, you know, you think about bringing in the first 
crop of the harvest, which is sort of like a guarantee that the rest of the harvest will come in. But that's just the first, the first fruits. And it's that sort of image here, you know, that the spirit is the first, first fruits, you know, what we have to start with, if you like. But it's just, the spirit is just a guarantee, a, a deposit guaranteeing what is to come. That, you know, that yes, we, we do experience something of what is to come now, but we're just waiting for that to be fully completed. It's a bit like when we, uh, our old church that we used to go to, we had to drive through um, a village to get there in the country. And there was a house which kind of stood just at the edge of the village. And we always noticed this house because someone had clearly bought it as a, a kind of a do-up job and there was scaffolding outside it and there was building going on outside it and, and everything. But this house, it kind of, for, for, for ages, it stood empty and it, you know, it, for a long time it didn't have windows, didn't even have a roof. You know, there was just scaffolding outside and, and it just looked pretty desolate. But there must have been a plan, you know, that they, they presumably didn't start all that work without a plan. You know, there would have been a plan to, to of what it would be like when it was complete. And actually over, it took many months, but actually eventually we saw the builders come in, we saw work continuing and the house was completed and it looked, it looked good, it, it looked great. But this is the thing, you know, we are living in a moment when, you know, the, there are no windows in the house, you know, when the roof's off and, you know, the, yes, there is a plan, there is a, there is a final destination, but we don't see all of it yet. You know, we are still living in when there's construction works, if you want to continue the, the metaphor. And that is a frustrating thing, isn't it? You know, that, that we are pulled in those two different directions, that we are still, we still experience the, the sinfulness of the world. We still experience sin in ourselves and in the world. You know, we're still subject to disease, disease, we're still subject to people, to other people's sinfulness. We're still subject to our own sinful desires sometimes. Uh, but yet we know what the world should be like. You know, we, we have the Holy Spirit, the first fruits. We know how far short we fall and we know, and we can see the problems in the world as well. And we're longing for, for change. We're longing for things to change in us and in the world. And we're living with that tension, you know, just being pulled in, in different directions. And, you know, yes, we're not what we were, but we're not what we will be. And, um, and, and that's what we need hope for. That's what we need hope for, which is what Paul goes on to say. He says, for in this hope we were saved, but hope that is seen is no hope at all. Who hopes for what they already have? But if we hope for what we do not yet have, we wait for it patiently. So Paul says this is the hope that we have. That yes, when we do have the Holy Spirit, we do live by the Spirit now, but we there are many things that we have to hope for. You know, we can only see the beginning. We can't see the, the full thing yet with our eyes, but we will one day, and that's that's hope. So we are living in this tension in between, you know, looking back to what the, we once were and looking to what the world is now, the sin in the world, the pain and suffering in the world. And we're looking forward to what the world will be one day without sin, 
without suffering, without pain and all of those things. And we are caught kind of in this, you know, uh, in this tension. And it's very important to recognise that we are in this tension because otherwise we'll either be over optimistic or over pessimistic. And I thought that uh, John Stott put it really well in, in the, uh, the commentary, um, oh, if I can get the right page here. Uh, I think John Stott put it really well in his commentary on Romans. This is what he says. Some Christians overemphasize the call to patience. They lack enthusiasm and lapse into lethargy, apathy and pessimism. They have forgotten God's promises and are guilty of unbelief. Others grow impatient of waiting. They are so carried away with enthusiasm that they almost try to force God's hand. They are determined to experience now even what is not available yet. Understandably anxious to emerge out of the painful present of suffering and groaning, they talk as if the resurrection had already taken place and as if the body should no longer be subject to weakness, disease, pain and decay. Yet such impatience is a form of presumption. It is to rebel against the God of history, who has indeed acted conclusively for our salvation and who will most assuredly complete when Christ comes what he has begun, but who refuses to be hustled into changing his planned timetable just because we do not enjoy having to go on waiting and groaning. God, give us a patient eagerness and an eager patience as we wait for his promises to be fulfilled. I love that saying that, you know, we, we sometimes try and hustle God and hurry him along. But God has a timetable and he's not going to, you know, advance his timetable just because we don't enjoy the waiting. That, you know, we have to hope, we have to wait patiently, we have to wait eagerly, and we have to look to, to God to act. That's what we need to do. We need to look to God to act. And, and, um, I think it's, it's important to say that the, the hope, by the way, is not just something which is for eternity, but not for now, or for now, but not for eternity. Now, again, I think those things are wrong ways of looking at it. You know, that we don't just hope for, for eternal life, but have nothing in the here and now. Now, I think that God, in smaller ways, helps us to hope for things now. But our ultimate hope, our biggest hope is for, for the redemption of everything in eternity. So, you know, I think God helps us to hope in our suffering in the here and now, but ultimately everything will be redeemed in the new creation and that is our greatest ultimate hope. So how do we do this in the here and now? And this is where we go on to talk about the help of the Holy Spirit. Now Paul's talked a lot about the Spirit in the last, uh, you know, um, section, last bit of Romans. And he talks about the Spirit again here. He says, in the same way, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. We do not know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us through wordless groans. So maybe you've had this experience before. You know, perhaps you don't really know what to pray for. You know, maybe you... Um, I find this with situations sometimes, you know, that there's a situation in your life which you know is, you know, something has happened and it's wrong. You know that God does not approve, perhaps, and this is perhaps something which someone's done to you or just a situation in the world. And you know that God's not happy with it, 
But at the same time, you don't really know what to pray about, what to do about it. You know, that uh, at the end of the day, you, you know, we don't know what God's plans are. And even if perhaps we see something of God's plans, we don't know what his timetable is. You know, we just have to wait uh, for God. And that's what the Holy Spirit does. You know, this Holy Spirit helps us to pray. And, it, and Paul says, um, the Spirit intercedes for God's people in accordance with the will of God. You know, the Spirit knows what God's will is. He doesn't have to guess what God's will is. But he still prays, as Paul says, with wordless groans. And I love that. You know, that if you think about what Paul has said about groaning in this passage already, you know, all creation is groaning and we ourselves groan. But the Spirit groans also as he intercedes to God the Father on our behalf. And I think, isn't that just such a, a beautiful picture? You know, it's like that the Holy Spirit takes the groaning of creation and our groans, our struggles, our suffering, and offers it, presents it to God in accordance with the will of God. And if you think about that, you know, if you think, oh, if only I could just make God see what I was going through. But think, well, the Holy Spirit knows exactly what you and I are going through. And the Spirit can present that to God with wordless groans, you know, interceding on our behalf. Isn't that a lovely thought to, to ponder? So uh, this final section then, Paul says, don't worry, there is a plan. And this verse, verse 28 here, is probably the most, uh, one of the most famous verses in the Bible. You know, if you're someone who likes having verses on fridge magnets or, you know, up around the house or something, this is a good one to have, a good one to remember. This has been a refuge of the saints for centuries. And we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. In all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. There is a plan. There is a purpose. Whatever you are going through, whatever you, know, you and I are going through, all of us, there is a plan. There is a purpose. For those who love God, it will work for good in the end. And we have a cast iron guarantee of that. Everything works for good for those who have been called according to God's purpose. It's what we, the doctrine of providence is, is what we talk about. And Paul says, for those who God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. Now, I, I don't want to go into the topic of predestination just at the moment. You know, the idea that we're all, um, you know, God chooses people and, and, um, and sends them one way or the other. Um, we're going to look at that more as we go through Romans. Paul will return to this. Just at the moment, Paul just kind of states it and accepts it, takes it as read. And that's just what I want to do at the moment as well, just to take it as read, just for the time being. And we'll maybe come back to that uh, in a moment. But this is what Paul says elsewhere. For example, in the book of Ephesians, Paul says in Ephesians chapter 1 verse 4, For he, God, chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. We've been chosen in Christ before the foundation of the world to be holy and blameless. 
No, Paul knew us, uh, Paul, God knew us before even we were made. You know, to know is to love. God loved us before we were even created, you know, before we were even existed on this earth. He loved us and chose us and destined us to be conformed to the image of Jesus Christ. He, he wanted the best for us. He wanted us to be, you know, shaped in that image of Jesus Christ, in that pattern. And that's, it's, it's almost mind-blowing, isn't it, to think that God could have known us from before the beginning of time and destined us for, for this, for the greatest possible thing, to be conformed to the image of Christ so that we might be his brothers and sisters. Isn't that an incredible thought? And what does it mean to be conformed to the image of Christ? Well, it means, as we just actually just going back to last week's passage, but as we had in verse 17, um, we are heirs if indeed we share in his sufferings, Christ's sufferings, in order that we may, we may also share in his glory. Suffering and glory. That's what it means to, to be conformed to the image of Christ suffering and glory and this is something which uh, is so important in to understand in the bible you know that suffering is a part of life and it's a part of the christian life but so is glory and that the suffering is on the path to glory you know that we need to we need to take the one if we are to receive the other and that's you know, the, the two things sort of come hand in hand. But as Paul says, the suffering is not even worth comparing with the glory that's to be revealed. That's the, the wonderful thing as well, that the suffering is just light and momentary compared with the glory which is, which is coming. So let's, uh, let's draw a few conclusions as we come to the end of, uh, of this passage. What can we say about, but particularly about hope as we've been looking at? I'd like to say that you know, we, what this passage says is that we face our sufferings with hope. You know, that we face the sufferings in the world with hope and the sufferings in our own lives. I think we need to, we need to remember that we have an eternal hope to begin with. You know, that there is an eternal hope. There are so many things at the moment which are kind of given an apocalyptic, um, you know, uh, um, kind of facade or you know c character like take for example something like climate change now uh, obviously this is not the time to go into all the ins and outs of it but it just strikes me that so often climate change is presented as an apocalyptic thing you know like um, I think the the newspaper said a, a few years ago about code red for humanity about the um, what the climate change committee were saying code red for humanity now that sounds like the apocalypse isn't it but what does the bible say about about creation the bible says uh, genesis chapter 8 verse 22 as long as the this is what god says as long as the earth endures seed time and harvest cold and heat summer and winter day and night will never cease we remember that god's in charge and that god will decide when the earth ends you know, well, the earth is not going to end because there'll be a new creation. But, you know, God will decide when it's time. God will decide what happens to the climate 
at the end of the day. And we need to trust in him and not not kind of be drawn into these apocalyptic, you know, um, end times kind of secular um, things that are being being told to us all the time. That we need to remember that we do have an eternal hope. And that hope is, you know, that God is God is in control and God will bring about a new creation when it is time. So that's the, the first thing. We need to remember that we have an eternal hope. But I think we also need to remember that we have a hope in this life, a, a temporal hope, you might call it. You know, we have hope in this life. And I think this is important because sometimes people think that, you know, Christianity is just what they call pie in the sky when you die. You know, pie in the sky when you die. That's what some sometimes people say. And I think that... Yes, you know, those things are, you know, that there will be a new creation, of course, and we will, we do believe in a, a new world, a perfect world without sin, without suffering. But that's not to say that this world doesn't matter and our suffering now doesn't matter. And we need hope for this life too, don't we? And um, th- there's a, a really a good quote I found, um, uh, I heard the other day, which I found really helpful, which is to say, you are never at the mercy of your circumstances. You are never at the mercy of your circumstances. And it was particularly thinking about God and his providence. And I thought that was a really good way of summarising what Paul is saying here. You know, you are never at the mercy of your circumstances. It's always God's mercy who is directing our lives and who has a plan and who is leading everything for good. Now that there is a purpose in our suffering, that God is conforming us to Jesus Christ, where, you know, we have suffering and then glory. The suffering comes first, then glory. And I think there, we see that in small ways in this life, but we will see it ultimately in, uh, in eternal life, in the new creation. But I do think we see those things in this life in, in smaller ways, seeing God's victory when we wait upon him, when we seek him in, uh, in the battles that we face, in the struggles and suffering that we face, when we seek the Lord, then I believe we do see uh, victory in, um, even if it may not look like we expect it to, it is, it is nonetheless victory. So I would say uh, it's you know, one of the ways that, that's helpful, one of the things that's really helpful is just learning to pray the Psalms now, something that I found as I've been reading the Psalms, and I, I, I say this to people, and I know I sound like a broken record, but I try and read a Psalm every day, and I recommend that to everyone. Um, but it, it, the Psalms just help us, I think, to put those things into words and give us ways to talk to God about, about struggling and about suffering. Let me just read you Psalm 6, verses 3 and 4, for example. My soul is in deep anguish. How long, Lord, how long? Turn, Lord, and deliver me. Save me because of your unfailing love. How long, O Lord, my soul is in anguish. That was what uh, David prayed way back. And that's what we can pray too. You know, when we're going through those times, we can say, how long, Lord, but turn and save me. You know, we need to to focus on God and we need to, to wait for him to deliver us. So hope changes the way that we suffer it reorients us towards god and it helps us to 
to put him kind of first and you know to, to, to look for the hope in him rather than looking for hope in in ourselves or in earthly things but we know that there is a hope which is because of Jesus Christ and that's what we'll uh, be thinking a little bit more about next week let me finish by reading uh, 1 Peter chapter 1 verses 3 to 9 I think this is a good passage which sort of I suppose it it puts what we've been hearing today into a more a more practical um you know mold so it's saying this is this is the the more the practical outworking i suppose of what of this teaching that paul's been teaching so let me finish by reading what peter says 1 peter 1 verses 3 to 9 praise be to the god and father of our lord jesus christ in his great mercy he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil or fade. This inheritance is kept in heaven for you, who through faith are shielded by God's power until the coming of the salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. In all this you greatly rejoice, though now, for a little while, you may have had to suffer grief in all kinds of trials. These have come so that the proven genuineness of your faith, of greater worth than gold, which perishes even though refined by fire, may result in praise, glory and honour when Jesus Christ is revealed. Though you have not seen him, you love him. And even though you do not see him now, you believe in him and are filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy. For you are receiving the end result of your faith, the salvation of your souls. Let's take a moment to pray. Heavenly Father, we know that um, the sufferings uh, that we go through in this life are not even worth comparing with the glory that, be, that will be revealed. And we pray that you would give us confidence in you, confidence in the hope that we have, so that we will wait eagerly and wait patiently for you. And we pray, Lord, that in every suffering that we experience in this life, that you would give us uh, patience as well as courage as as well as hope that uh, we would just know that you will bring an end to these struggles uh, in your timing and that you will help us uh, by the power of the Holy Spirit every day and we pray Lord that you would help us to trust you in Jesus' name. Amen.